Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Jesus' disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. Zealots, those of uncompromising pursuits of their ideals, are on my heart today. During February, the Tuesday Rector's Book Group was led not by John, <clears throat> who took a break. He doesn't take breaks often. He took a break from the Tuesday lunch conversation in February, and I facilitated conversations on Marilyn Robinson's book, Gilead. This book is set in post-World War II, 1950s Iowa, in a fictional town called Gilead. And it is a protracted letter from an aging father to his young son, imparting family histories, the good, the bad, the uncomfortable. For four weeks, we read of three generations of ministers, the writer of the letter, his father and his grandfather, people of faith facing life and times in America when slavery was fought over, whether to keep it or discard it. The speaker's grandfather was a fierce abolitionist. And one Sunday morning, he stepped up into the pulpit wearing this bloody, disheveled shirt covered in dirt and had a gun tucked into his waistband. There's a bigger story going on there, but Definitely not something we were told or recommended to do in seminary. Um, but in this book, he whips up this Kansas congregation to join the Union War effort because he was quite a zealot for civil rights, even in the 1860s. And so the, the writer's grandfather brought about a turning point in the life of that church as zeal for God's kingdom consumed him. On this day, March 7th in 1965, hundreds of people gathered <clears throat> at the Brown Chapel AME Church and began a 54-mile trek from Selma to Montgomery, Alabama. They were peacefully demonstrating for equal voting rights, regardless of skin color. Helping lead the effort was 25-year-old John Lewis, who would later become a senior congressman and policy influencer for equality in our country. And as that crowd reached the crest of the Edmund Pettus Bridge, state troopers and local police assembled on foot and horseback advised that these people turn back. Lewis and others stood their ground, and so law enforcement advanced. They used tear gas, clubs, and whips to push back the demonstrators, who continued in their nonviolence stance in the encounter. Dozens were badly beaten, including John Lewis. This crescendo on a bridge in Selma that we now call Bloody Sunday became a turning point in the civil rights struggle. 
the Voting Rights Act of 1965 was signed into law just a few months after that encounter. The zeal for equity on earth as it is in heaven consumed these demonstrators as they stood firm on their purpose. In John's Gospel passage today, the disciples and Jesus are in Jerusalem and headed for the temple. There were various gatherings of people on the way into the main worship space. There were stations of vendors peddling animals for ritual sacrifice. There was a space to exchange foreign coins for shekels so that each person who entered into the temple could pay their half shekel as an offering to the Lord. It's sometimes called a temple tax, but it was prescribed in Exodus as this is what you do when you enter the temple. Everyone who is above the age of 20 brings a half shekel. So imagine with me the noise of humans, of cattle, of sheep, of birds, people milling around, the clinking of metal currency, the clamoring to navigate as dust and general chaos abound. Jesus sees all of this and fashions a whip from woven grasses and he ejects the vendors from the temple. But it's curious, isn't it? As we just heard about nonviolent demonstrations in Selma on that bridge. And then we read about Jesus flipping over tables and cracking whips. This feels a bit out of sync. Theologians over time have had different perspectives on what to do about this scripture. Does it endorse Christian violence? It's been used for that. Others have inferred that maybe the whip was just used on the animals to get the animals to go out rather than putting whelps on people. Regardless of what we take away theologically, Jesus was cleansing the temple of chaos, perhaps bringing stillness and quiet in preparation for the holy day of Passover. And the disciples remember that verse from what we know as Psalm 69, zeal for your house will consume me. Jesus got wrapped up in zeal for sure and lost his cool a bit. And yet this cleaning house effort brought about a turn of events in awareness the temple priests asked for some sign of the divine, and Jesus says, stay tuned. Resurrection will happen three days after total destruction befalls the temple. Well, I, do they get it? I don't, I don't know. Do you get it? I mean, it helps to have interpretations. Um, we're told, however, that Jesus' disciples connect the dots after he's raised from the dead, and they remember he foretold his death and resurrection. And in the remembering, their faith is deepened. As they revisit, their faith is deepened. 
They believe Holy Scripture. Jesus brings up for us this zeal for wiping away the sins of distraction to prepare our lives for the divine gift of forgiveness. And that forgiveness is not grounded in the earthly gifts of sacrifice, the cattle, the sheep, the doves, the clinking coins. No, that forgiveness is grounded in the timeless, limitless grace of salvation. What a powerful message for us as we wrestle with the pains and heartaches that plague our earthly bodies and souls. Jesus comes to break up the chaos, to bring peace and reconstruction, to repair the broken spaces in our hearts. And this week, Heartache has been among our church family as we have faced losses of family and friends, loved ones and colleagues. It is true our tables have been turned and been turned and turned over again in this last year. Chaos, noise, clamoring, as we resume some in-person gatherings for worship outside, perhaps we too are reaching a turning point. Reaching a turning point in Lent. Reaching a turning point in our community experience with COVID-19. Reaching a turning point with our spiritual journeys toward healing and restoration in the resurrection of Jesus. So as I close, I'm curious, and I invite you to think about where are the spaces in your life that need cleansing, that need liberation, that need decluttering and rescuing from the chaos so that the peace of Christ can rest, the peace of Christ can grow, the peace of Christ can rebuild spaces broken by injustice, sin, loss, and anger in each of us. And in doing so, kindle and rekindle again.